It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. Oh, it's tough, uh, you know, both professionally and personally. Uh, and it was a little bit unexpected too, I think. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately that's the way it goes sometimes, uh, you know, when you're in situations that we are. He's obviously had a had a good year for us and, and showed some uh, some true qualities as an NHL player and you know hopefully uh, you know he gets a chance to build on that and, and go to a team and uh, you know play some playoff hockey and, and show uh, showcase himself and uh, uh, you know but it's never any fun uh, you know especially when uh, you know we were doing well together I enjoyed playing with him and um, you know we enjoyed each other's company uh, off the ice as well so uh, it's going to take a little bit to uh, to adjust to. Good afternoon, everyone. We are back. It is time for our first game from the Sharks since January 28th in what was a very nice win over the Pens. And now we get to see if the Sharks are going to be able to carry some of that momentum here into the, well, we're beyond the start of the second half, but it's the it's the post-All-Star break time of the year. I'm very excited to see what happens now for the San Jose Sharks because, as I have said many, many times, what happens now for this team is going to be very impactful in terms of the trades that are made, in terms of the contracts that are signed and or are not signed. And I really do look at you know the trades that we saw of Neitz and now Megna goes the other night. And I know that some of you are saying that, oh, well, I think they could have gotten more than a fourth round pick for him. And I'm just kind of like, you know what? You get what you can get for him. Here's the question you need to ask yourself right now. Is Megna helping the San Jose Sharks be a contender right now? Is he helping them win right now? As much as you may enjoy his game, as much as you might like and appreciate how he is paired with Derek Carlson, he is not helping the Sharks win now. And that's why, from the perspective of Mike Greer, I think his viewpoint is, hey, we have to make moves that will allow us to be good in the future because if you're not going to be good now, and not that I think this was preordained or anything like that, but I think the reality is if the team isn't good in the here and now, then you have to make those necessary moves to make yourself good in the future, which is why we have seen the Nieto, which is why we have seen again now a Jacob Magna. You know, this is a team that is making moves to try and figure out how they can be good in the future. And that's not always the most fun thing in the world, but it is ultimately necessary because I don't like talking about the Sharks being sellers. I don't like talking about the Sharks being a team that's not in the mix for the playoffs. Um, it's not been a good year. There's no need to uh, try and convince you of anything otherwise, but if you're not going to be good now, then you need to figure out what you are going to do for the future. So that's where the San Jose Sharks are right now. It is a plan for the future. As much as we all want to talk about you know, the plan for the here and now, and we like getting the wins, I think you do have to look at the future as being the bigger timeline. And I know that for some of you, that's why you've been on the, you know, the tank train and try and get Connor Bedard. And again, there are no guarantees whether or not, A, the Sharks would get the number one pick 
or B, that Bedard will end up being a generational talent that we think he will be. Sometimes, you know, those guys don't pan out. But I do look at what the Sharks need to do, and that is ultimately give themselves more opportunities to get better. That's what a pick in exchange for Jacob Magna allows them to do. Does that mean that they're necessarily going to, you know, wait for that fourth round pick to develop? I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. But I also know that if they're going to try and package another deal that they think they can get them better for the future in the short term, then yeah, they're probably going to do that. They're probably going to use that as part of a deal if that's what they want to do or it's if they're going to develop that player. But it gives them an, another option to build towards the future, and that's what I always come back to. It's not about the like for like or the value for equivalent value. It's about the opportunity and what this represents in the long term for the San Jose Sharks as opposed to what it represents in the short term. Because in the short term, yeah, it's not fun. We don't like watching this team perform poorly. At least I don't. Maybe you're different. Maybe you are uh, viewing things in a different way than I am. But yeah, I, I, I want the Sharks to be good again. I want this team to be a contender. I want them to be like the Tampa Bay Lightning. A team that is, in many ways, a standard bearer of success in the NHL and presenting a very, very stark challenge for the San Jose Sharks for which they have to test themselves. This has the potential to get ugly. Tampa did play last night. They got it handed to them by the Panthers 7-1, to and they're probably going to be angry and probably looking at the San Jose Sharks as an opportunity to get back on track in front of their home fans. So, yeah, this has... Um, this has challenge written all over it. There's no other way to acknowledge it, but in the Sharks' favor, they'll be fresh. Not in the Sharks' favor, they will be rusty. January 28th was a while ago, and now the Sharks, they've got to put the pedal to the metal and get things going in the right direction. Head coach David Quinn spoke with the media this morning, being asked if they have to be the storm or handle the storm in the first 10 minutes of this match. I think we always want to be the storm. You know, obviously, uh, you know, this is a team that's the standard in the National Hockey League, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, you know, the way they run their organization, the way they coach, the players they have, uh, the way they balance skill with grit and compete. Um, but regardless of who you're playing, I mean, we've trying to set a standard for ourselves and to get to that level. And, you know, to me, you've got to constantly have, be the aggressor and keep your foot on the pedal. And, you know, you want to create the storm. And that's something that, you know, we're trying to do night in and night out. And I'm on board with all of that, and I would hope that the Sharks can try and push Tampa in the first 10 minutes of the game because you always know how it is on the second night of a back-to-back. Those first 10 minutes can be very telling. It's not like the opposition that isn't on the second night of a back-to-back slows down to match the pace of the opposition. They have to speed it up. Of course, Tampa, with their potency, with their talent level, they can go all out in those first 10 minutes and create a lot of problems for any team in the NHL, and that's something the Sharks have got to be ready for. Tampa could be ready to go all out, and you know, considering the Sharks have not played for a bit, I don't know if they're going to be ready for that. So again, the first 10 minutes of the game are going to be very, very telling, and I would hope that the Sharks do take advantage of their fresh legs to just put it all on Tampa. Ask questions of them. Make them come up with the answers. Next question for Quinn, how do you handle Tampa's ability to back check in the neutral zone? Well, to me, I mean, if you're doing a good job through the neutral zone causing turnovers, then you get a much better chance to kind of separate yourself, right? With its clarity when you have possession and yeah. it's it's easy for them to track when you know they're coming from their offensive zone or D zone. Whereas if you can do a good job through the neutral zone and control the neutral zone, cause a turnover as they're thinking offense, you get a much better chance to create space for yourself. So. 
you know, we've got to play faster than the neutral zone. We've got to get flesh through the neutral zone. We can't be fishing for pucks and watching people go by us. We've got to make sure we're getting pieces of, uh, of the body, slowing them down, hopefully cause a turnover and be able to counter. And as a plan, I am all for it. But the Tampa Bay Lightning are a team that even if you have a plan, of which I'm always fine with having a plan, a bad plan even is better than no plan at all. So have your plan, but you also have to have a plan B or be ready for a pushback because Tampa doesn't make anything easy. They might make life difficult for every single team in the NHL, and that's what they're going to do for the San Jose Sharks tonight. They are going to force them into mistakes. They are going to make them commit errors, and the Sharks have to be able and prepared to handle that pushback from Tampa. I mean, that's the the hardest thing about playing these top-tier teams in the NHL is that they have a backup plan, and beyond their backup plan, they have a backup plan to that. And you probably go one deeper as they find multiple ways to beat you throughout a game, and that's just unfortunately what the Sharks don't have right now. They have limited capacity and ability to beat teams, and they usually need to have things go their way to end up being successful when all is said and done. Now, that said, we have seen some certain things, and I think that when the Sharks play against upper echelon top-tier teams, they do do some of those things a little bit better and with a little more care than they do against some of the lower-tier teams. And I'm not saying that to be inflammatory or critical or anything. It's just part of that reality. I think the Sharks realize against these top-tier teams that they have to lock it down and play in a way where they do, as I've pointed out many times, the little things well. Very important to do the little things well. Very important to give yourself that opportunity to, you know, again, finish your checks, take care of the puck, meet guys at the blue line, have nice entries and have your breakout be with speed and be ready to make that pass and be heads up, head on a swivel type play. Like when the Sharks are playing well, they do all those little things well. I know we focus on the big time mistakes, but again, I look to the little things, the foundational or fundamental pieces of quality hockey, and that's what the Sharks have to rely on tonight. Another thing they will have to rely on is the play of their netminder, Kapo Kakinen, in net tonight. He is coming off of what I thought was a good performance against Pittsburgh, and it appears that David Quinn feels that way as well. Well, I thought that was his best game of the year against Pittsburgh. I know you see four goals given up, but he didn't really have any chance on any, on any of those, and he made some big saves in particular to start the third period uh, and to start the first period. So, you know, obviously I'd like both of them to want to run with it and play at a high level, so... Uh, uh, we've got two guys that we can rely on, and we do rely on these guys, and we trust these guys. So it is an opportunity for him to build on his best game of the year. Now, obviously, there is going to be a lot of trade speculation rumbling around James Reimer right now. So you do have to wonder how much that is playing a factor in terms of wanting to get Capo out there and not wanting to put a Reimer in a chance to get hurt. Again, I am just speculating, but we are less than 30 days away, or excuse me, fewer than 30 days away from the March 3rd trade deadline, of which there's going to be a lot of speculation. And, you know, you want to continue that speculation train. Once again, Kevin LeBanc is not in the Sharks lineup tonight. So that is one to at least be aware of. I think that right now, Kevin LeBanc is somewhat in the doghouse. I, I would have to imagine that the Sharks, you know, have not liked what they've seen from his game, which is, it's tough because the point production was there, but, you know, even though he sat out for a few games, he got back in for one. He was, you know, they didn't give him another chance shortly thereafter. So again, there's multiple ways to interpret that. And of course, as we are approaching the deadline, it makes it that much more difficult to try and interpret these things. But it is, you know, that much more interesting to say the very least, because what if it does mean a trade is on the horizon? I, you know, your guess is as good as mine right now. 
Um, but again, my interest level is at an all-time high. Here's Quinn talking about the absences of LeBanc. Yeah, he's handled it as a professional. Obviously, no player likes not playing. He certainly doesn't like not playing, but he's handling it in the manner that I expected him to handle it in, in a professional way, and he's doing everything he can to get back in the lineup. And you know, I fully anticipate when he does get back in the lineup, uh, he's going to raise his game to the level, which will keep him in the lineup. And this move has been played before with LeBanc, and maybe they felt that his effort when he came back into the lineup was not good enough this time around. But, you know, I believe we saw this with Pete DeBoer. I know we saw it with Bob Bugner. We're seeing it now with David Quinn. And that's on Kevin LeBanc now to have the appropriate response, unless they are holding him out to trade him, which is, of course, you know, always a possibility. But, you know, I do think that there is the message that is being sent. I mean, we're looking at almost a monthish now with the break included, but a month-ish worth of time where Kevin LeBanc has not been consistently in the lineup, and maybe they feel that's because previously the message has not been imparted well enough or that it's not been absorbed well enough. So they're looking for a different outcome this time around. They are looking for something to change. They are looking for something to be different. They are looking overall for something to just be a, an instigator for Kevin LeBanc to have a better time on the ice for what they want to do going forward. I don't mean better time like enjoying himself, but like his time needs to be better. His time on the ice needs to be more impactful. And it's not just Kevin LeBanc. We go back to the month of January. Tomas Hurdle was not in good form. His scoring was few and far between. And you wonder what's going on there. Is he getting angry about the losses? Is he tired because of having a young family? I mean, both totally valid excuses, but... You know, his job is to perform at a high level out there on the ice, and hopefully it's just a cold stretch. He was cold to start the season as well, but these type of extended cold stretches from Tomas Hurdle are not something that we were used to seeing in the past. And now we've seen two in this season, and it's hopefully something that will change as we get deeper and deeper into the year. I think when Thomas isn't being that productive offensively from a goal-storing standpoint, I think it's more of his pace and his getting inside and his playing fast from an offensive standpoint. I mean, he's a big body, he's strong, he's tough to handle. And when he's got that edge to him and plays with that little bit of FU when he gets inside consistently, he's much more productive from a goal-scoring standpoint. Um, so obviously he's aware of that. That's something that uh, was good to see him you know, get a big one the other night. And, you know, usually what happens to guys like him when they get one, a few more follow. So we're hoping that happens tonight. Yeah, I think everybody's hoping that it happens tonight. And maybe, you know, Hurdle had been dealing with some of the bugs that have been going around the Sharks, which we knew was a problem throughout the month of January for the Sharks and pretty much all over the country. There were people getting sick. If you have children in school, I'm sure you can uh, nod to that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's always a part of life. You get sick. You get tired, you got family stuff, you got nagging injuries, you got, you know, achy joints, whatever it is, whatever caused Tomas Hurdle those problems, you hope that it's not an issue that continues into the month of February just because you don't want to see a dip in performance. You want to see Hurdle continuing to play at that high level, that impactful level that we all know that he's capable of. I think that's one of the things that's so much fun about Tomas Hurdle is that, you know, he does continue year after year to be so productive and so much fun to watch. And it's the classic fun must be always refrained, but you love seeing that from Tomas Hurdle. You love seeing him smiling, having fun out there on the ice. And, you know, some of that joy has been lacking. And I think that's always something you pay attention to with a team. It's like when you're losing, of which the Sharks have been doing a lot of lately, but it's like that joy, that overall fun vibe that you like to have when you're playing the sport that you love, it can go from being a love to a job. 
And sometimes that is the hardest thing that it is to battle for a lot of these athletes when you're not getting rewarded the same way that you were in the past. And I think it also comes down to finding that confidence for Tomas Hurdle to be having fun and feel like his shots will go in and find the back of the net. And David Quinn thinks so as well. Yeah, I did. really with every player, but him in particular, I think when he's feeling good and he's got a little bit of swagger to his game, you know, he's an elite player in this league. And I know he's trying to find that level of consistency where that happens night in and night out. And, you know, I have full faith that he's going to find that. Because overall, past performance in sports is usually indicative of future performance. And that's not to say that we should look at the micro of what he did in the month of January and extrapolate that over the rest of the season. But Tomas Hurdle is a guy who can, you know, put up a lot of points, for lack of a better term, whether it's goals, whether it's assists. I do think it is eventually going to happen, but it just, you know, has to be frustrating for Hurdle right now. I'm sure it's frustrating for his teammates because he's somebody that they all rely on and he's, you know, wearing the A on his sweater and they all know what that means. And he's not just a leader by being a good guy. He's got to lead by example as well. And so, again, there's no better time than the present for change for any player that's been struggling. And I think that, you know, you look at Tomas Hurdle and the consistency with which he's had over his career when he's not been injured, he knows how to score. It's going to happen. I'm sure it's a place of great frustration for him. And hopefully it's something that does change as we get into the, you know, most interesting part of the season, because there's going to be a lot of change with the San Jose Sharks, in my opinion, over the coming weeks and months. As for some of the positives, Eric Carlson, he's been having an incredible season. And this was an interesting question that he was asked by Sheng Peng earlier this morning about, you know, the impact the coaching staff has had on his play. Well, I think they've, they've done a good job uh, ever since they came in, I think, uh, with everything going on and, and things being the way that they are. I think, like I said, uh, you know, we come in every day and, and we're excited to get to work and, and they're going, doing a good job in, in you know, not making, making life too miserable for us, uh, even though, you know, we haven't performed or played as well as we want. I still think that, uh, you know, we're making progress and, and uh, you know, there's a plan in place. And, and I think that, uh, you know, all the guys, uh, the coaching staff have, have been uh, extremely good at, at handling this, uh, this tough situation uh, uh, that we've been in uh, for most part of the year. And I don't think that I've ever really seen the Sharks have any signs of breaking down or having problems in the dressing room or not responding to David Quinn. I think they're upset after losses. Like you look at the one against Carolina or New Jersey, those are two that you immediately point to. And you can tell the team was pretty ticked off. But I also think that you look at what they are as a, as a group and I think you can feel the collective bond they all have. The team's still in a good place mentally. I think they're all very frustrated with the results, but I think they're all still playing hard. They're trying to win games, and I think that is a credit to the coaching staff that probably doesn't get talked about enough, but you know, we don't we don't talk about the coaches. What's the old expression? Is they get too much blame when a team is bad and not enough credit when the team is good? Probably holds true. Ian Carlson was also asked if he's been given more of a green light from this coaching staff. No, I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I think that, uh, you know, collectively as a group, I think that, uh, you know, our offensive game have been a lot better. Um, and, you know, that's, uh, that's been helping not only me out, but a lot of the other guys as well. And, and uh, you know, uh, I think... Uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough one to answer, but no, I don't think I've got more green light now than, than I have in the past. It's, it's just, you know, the way that we play now is uh, it's obviously uh, more suitable to, uh, to my game and, and uh, other guys' game. And, and like I said, I think our offensive numbers this year has, uh, has been pretty solid from the start. 
All right. Well, we are out of time. Be sure to join us at 3.30 for live pregame coverage on the Sharks Audio Network as they get ready to take on one of the toughest teams in the NHL, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Dan Rusinowski will have again that line pregame coverage at 3.30 as they get ready for the Lightning game time at 4. And then be sure to be back with us tomorrow morning for Morning Tide, first airing right here on the Sharks Audio Network at 7 a.m. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen. <laughs>